This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c My kid has had amoxicillin before and there weren't any issues and then they end up on it again for an ear infection and then usually within 10, 15, 30 minutes you'll start to notice that they develop um, some symptoms like itching all over or welts um, or hives. Um, They'll start to have some coughing or trouble breathing or they'll have repetitive vomiting or belly pain and it's usually a combination of these symptoms and the timing of when they took that medication that kind of clues us into, hey, this probably is a drug reaction. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I continue to get to talk to the most amazing guests on this podcast and 2023 is not gonna be any different. I get to have conversations about parenthood, child health, development, and so much more. So thank you for tuning in, for being here today, and for all of your reviews and love for the podcast. This is how the podcast continues to grow. On today's episode, I welcome Farah Khan, who is a practicing allergist and immunologist. And we're talking about, is my child really allergic to that medicine? A conversation about medication allergies and what they really look like. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Khan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. (laughs) Yes. And mine too. You know, the reason why I wanted you to come on and I'm so glad you reached out is because medication allergies do happen, but I feel like in my practice and also on social media, sometimes people feel that they are allergic to medicine when in actuality they're not. So we're going to go over what medication allergies may look like, what to do if a family feels like their child does have a medication allergy and just separate some fact from fiction. Obviously, we're not able to show visuals of what an allergy may look like, but this will be something that I know Dr. Khan will describe, and I really think it'll empower you to know, okay, this is not a medication allergy, or maybe it is, and what to do next. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. So tell us more about what you do as an allergist and immunologist. Do you see a lot of children and families that come in with a concern for medication allergies? Absolutely. We often get referrals from pediatricians um, in the area just to figure out like, hey, is this kid really allergic to penicillin? Can I give them amoxicillin the next time they have an ear infection? And with kids, what we mostly see is this penicillin class of antibiotics because um, they're first-line therapies for a lot of bread and butter conditions that we see, like the ear infection and the sinus infection, bronchitis, whatever upper respiratory infection um, you're managing. And I welcome those patients into our clinic with open arms because it's such an important issue to talk about. Oh, absolutely. And you know, one of the biggest things that I mentioned earlier already is that parents feel like their children have an allergy. But as we know, sometimes 
it's not really an allergy. So I guess my first question is, what are the signs of an allergy to a medication? So I agree that, you know, amoxicillin, which is part of the penicillin class, is one of the most commonly prescribed antibiotics. If we do prescribe it, for anyone listening, your child has probably had that for things like ear infections or maybe a pneumonia, but more commonly an ear infection as a first line. So if a child does have an allergy to, let's just say um, penicillin as an example, or amoxicillin, what would an allergy to that medication actually look like? Yeah. So some of the classic signs and symptoms that go along with a classic drug allergy, which is usually mediated by a very specific allergy cell called IgE, um, those signs and symptoms look like this. My kid has had amoxicillin before and there weren't any issues. And then they end up on it again for an ear infection. And then usually within 10, 15, 30 minutes, you'll start to notice that they develop um, some symptoms like itching all over or welts um, or hives. Um, they'll start to have some coughing or trouble breathing, or they'll have repetitive vomiting or belly pain. And it's usually a combination of these symptoms and the timing of when they took that medication that kind of clues into, hey, this probably is a drug reaction. Um, drug allergies do not present like days and weeks later. So it's never going to be, oh, my kid was on amoxicillin a couple of weeks ago for um, a pneumonia. And then a couple of weeks later, they started to have this weird rash. That is not how drug uh, reactions, immediate drug reactions work. And in terms of the day of the medicine, so for example, just say they started the amoxicillin on a Monday, do we normally see it on a certain day of starting the medicine? Can you see it, you know, a few days into starting the medicine or does it just depend? So what I'll say is that usually your immune system, these IgE cells need to be something we call sensitized. So it means your immune system needs to have seen the penicillin-based antibiotic previously. And usually it's within that first ingestion, that first dose that within you know, 30 minutes, sometimes it takes an hour or two for these symptoms to develop, but usually it's pretty quick in onset um, that you start to see the symptoms. What I think is really confusing is that oftentimes there's a virus that leads to the ear infection or the upper respiratory infection, especially with kids that are in daycare or in school or have siblings that are in school and they're bringing home all kinds of germs. Oftentimes it's the virus that runs into then a bacterial infection that requires the antibiotics. And the rash that may develop on like, day three or day five or day seven of the antibiotics, it is oftentimes not related to the antibiotic. It is usually the underlying illness. And I know as a pediatrician, you probably see this a lot and there's oh, yeah. no data to qualify like how many calls pediatricians get about rash when kids are on antibiotics. But I know the number is like astronomically high. And then it's trying to figure out like, do I push through this and you know stay on the antibiotic because it's not a drug reaction? But usually it's very uncommon for a drug allergy to present like, you know, five or six hours later on day five or six. It's usually the underlying illness and not the antibiotic. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next question because, you know, you brought up like in the beginning, you said, okay, so within 10 to 15 minutes of taking the antibiotic, they develop itching all over and hives and hives. We commonly do see, like you said already with viral illnesses. And so just to kind of clarify and for everyone listening. So the differentiation here would be that with a true drug allergy, you would see this on 
the first time you take, meaning when we say first time, um, just say you had amoxicillin as an eight month old, there was no issue, but then now you got it again as a 14 month old. Okay. So you're taking it again as a 14 month old. And on the first day of taking the amoxicillin, you notice within 10 to 15 minutes, itching all over hives. Also with a drug allergy, would we also see swelling in like the lips or eyes or not necessarily? You absolutely can have um, swelling in the lips, mouth, face, eyes, um, sometimes in the fingers and toes and genitalia as well. So this is great kind of clarification because if it's a virus, just to kind of clarify, we're seeing Mm -hmm. virus, virus rashes can happen annoyingly at any time in the yeah. illness. But yes, you're, you're right that we do see commonly day three, day four of a child taking an antibiotic that all of a sudden they have this viral rash, right? Let's just use hives as an example. And so then the parent thinks, okay, well, yes, I've been on antibiotics for three days. It must be the antibiotic. And they come in and they're, the child's just itching or even just a rash, like without the right. itch. So this is more part of a viral process, most likely. Yes. And I think the other big clue for parents is sometimes they don't even realize their kid has a rash until they, you know, go to bathe them or change their diaper. And the kid has been totally fine, you know, maybe a little under the weather and not eating great, but is acting fine, engaging appropriately. And then they undress them and realize, oh my goodness, there's this, you know, red bumpy rash. Um, it, It has to be the drug. And it sort of inappropriately gets blamed on the antibiotic. Well, yeah, because then what happens is then just say we don't know for sure. And I'm going to use clinicians as responsibility too. So I hope anyone who's listening, who's maybe a general pediatrician, because I do believe that some of us overcall uh, drug mm-hmm. allergy. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we we do see that rash. And I've learned obviously through my training and through my practice that, okay, I used to overcall it. I did. And I'm being very honest, like, oh yeah, that must be right. Because the kids coming in was on antibiotics and the parents telling you, and you're like, yeah, they're red all over. But then yeah. as you start to practice, as you start to practice more and obviously see true drug allergy, then you're like, no, this is viral rash. Like it makes sense. So this is such an important clarification. And this is why I wanted to talk to you about this. What other misconceptions do you hear about drug allergies? Maybe like you have a family coming in concerned about a drug allergy and you have to kind of demystify or clarify a lot of things about um, misconceptions about drug allergies. Yeah. I think the one that drives me the most bananas is when parents will say, oh, I have a penicillin allergy. Therefore, Mm, my kids have never received penicillin because, you know, they're afraid that they might have a reaction. And I can tell you with 100% certainty, and there's usually never this guaranteed certainty in medicine, but the classic drug allergy that's mediated by this IgE cell, it is not not inherited. It is not genetic. You're not passing it on to your kids. So I think sometimes parents do a disservice to their kids because Mm -hmm. then it means that primary care providers have to reach for other antibiotics, which, you know, doesn't sound that bad. But when you start to realize that the those other antibiotics, which are typically a little more potent, which means they have a little more you know, side effects and we're dealing with other issues that may come up with it, it does start to become a bigger issue. And so I always tell parents, like, just because you had, you know, upset stomach and diarrhea, or even if it was true anaphylaxis to penicillin, it does not mean your kid is allergic. And if it's the first line therapy, you know, I, I don't mind them having a conversation with the pediatrician and voicing their concern, but it shouldn't preclude the child from getting first line therapy. 
As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. I'm Margaret and I'm Amy and together we host the podcast What Fresh Hell laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, and you know, I think this is such an important conversation because I can speak only for myself, but I don't like prescribing a lot of antibiotics. But if I do need one, amoxicillin or the penicillin family, as we know, is a great family of antibiotics, right? right? Like it really helps a lot of different medical issues. And so if we don't have access to that, it does, like you said, close down or shut off a lot of different opportunities that we have to kind of search. And is that going to be available? Is that even going to be tolerated, right? Some of those other medicines like amoxicillin or augmentin, um, well, definitely amoxicillin, um, they taste good, right? Better than a lot right. of other medicines because they can, right. the pharmacist can make them taste like bubble gum or, you know, so there is tolerability. Um, so we definitely like Dr. Khan saying, we don't want to overcall it, not just because it's not good medical practice, but also because it could shut off a lot of opportunity for really great 
options of medication if your child does need that. You know, they may not, but it is a class of antibiotics. And, you know, speaking even about pregnancy, like I actually do have an allergy fully evaluated. I developed um, in my adulthood, I had um, strep and I got amoxicillin and I developed full body with, again, the day I took it, full body rash. Um, lips swelling, eye swelling, no difficulty breathing, but the rash was diffuse and my lips wow. were like, were like duck lips and my <laughs> eyes were like swollen shut. And at that wow. point I was, I was in medical school and I was like, what is going on? And my classmates were, or my, I was in residency or sorry, medical school. And my, my classmates were like, uh, maybe this is all virus. I went back to the clinic. They saw it and they were like, oh yeah, like this is totally. And so then I had to go, I, I did see an allergist and stuff like that. But what I bring this point up is that when I got pregnant with my first son, right? I had to tell them about the allergy, right? And I didn't think I would be on antibiotics because I I didn't have any like group B strep, but it did shut off a lot of opportunities for them even when my pregnancy, if I did Mm -hmm. need an antibiotic and I ended up needing antibiotics for um, whatever reason. So it's really important that we know for sure, because even for you in your childhood down the line as an adult, you could need that. And we want to be completely sure that there is an allergy versus suspected versus question mark. Um, So that brings me to my next question. So if there is a concern, meaning what we talked about, the 10 to 15 minutes, itching all over hives, whether there's coughing, trouble breathing, or um, obviously um, any swelling, if they are concerned, what is the role of the allergist? Do they need to see an allergist to kind of get that official diagnosis? And what would happen at those visits? Yeah. So the one statistic that sort of sticks out anytime I have this conversation is about 10% of the general population is walking around with a penicillin allergy label. So 10% of the general population and about 95% of those people that are labeled as penicillin allergic are not actually allergic, (laughs) which is kind of astounding. Um, So, you know, what I generally tell any primary care provider is if there's any question, if you can't dedicate the time to have that conversation and address all these questions, send them to your local allergist. We're here. This is what we, you know, had our subspecialty training in. We're happy to have that conversation. And sometimes, actually a lot of the time, I can have a detailed conversation with the parent and the history is not suggestive and I don't have to do anything further for that kid. You know, I just answer their questions and we can say that this child is not penicillin allergic. They can have Augmentin or Amoxicillin in the future. And sometimes if there's a lot of parental concern that I can't really push through, or if the history is maybe suggestive or question mark, then we can do skin testing. But even with our recent guidelines, our um, drug allergy practice parameters that were released, the emphasis really is on just challenging with an oral dose in a monitored setting. So we would have that child come in and then Usually what we do is start with a small 10% dose, um, watch them for 30 minutes or an hour. And as long as they don't have any signs or symptoms of a reaction, we give them the remaining dose. And then again, you hang out for an hour or two. And as long as you don't have any symptoms, then that's sort of objective proof that your vital signs, your body, everything was good to go. You were not having an allergic reaction and you can have penicillins in the future. Oh, this is so helpful. Yeah, this is (laughs) really important information because like I said, you said the, you know, 10% of the population has a quote unquote allergy and 95% of them actually do not. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a small, (laughs) small percentage of people. Um, And so I think it's so important that we hear, you know, what can actually be evaluated, I guess, do you have a lot of families who still like, just say they, they, 
went to their pediatrician and their pediatrician was like, oh, this looks like an allergy. Okay. And maybe it wasn't. Okay. And so then they come to you and then you tell them this, like you tell them why, why not, you know, why it's more likely like a viral induced rash or whatever. Do you still get a lot of hesitance that they are still hesitant to use that medicine again? Or do you feel often that they feel comfortable after the conversation? I think for the most part, parents just need that reassurance. And sometimes it's just talking about that one thing for, you know, a dedicated 15, 20, 30 minutes, which sometimes you don't get in your primary care visit because there's also a bunch of other things that need to be addressed, you know, like school forms or immunizations or, oh, he had this weird thing going on. (laughs) You know, there's just a lot to unpack, I feel like, with every visit. And so most of the time I can answer questions. And there are parents that are like, you know what, I think I need some objective proof. And in that case, I don't mind at all challenging that kid and providing them some objective guidance. Um, The other thing I want to point out is sometimes kids will sort of go several years just being penicillin allergic labeled just because there's a lot happening and it sort of goes under the radar for a while. When I really start to push for this to be evaluated again is with teenagers that are in Mm -hmm. high school and looking to leave for college because (laughs) then then it becomes, you know, they have this penicillin allergy label and then they're living away from home and they don't really know what it means and they end up with a sinus infection or pneumonia and they need antibiotics and you know again they can't get penicillins um and with penicillin specific antibiotics what we have is some really great data that suggests even if you had a true anaphylactic event in young childhood over the course of a decade your immune system sort of forgets that it had that reaction because it loses those antibodies that it made in response to that allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. And you can become non-allergic again. So if you you know had a reaction when you were three or four and now you're 18 and looking to move away from home, I really stress to those families and those teenagers like, hey, you're about to be on your own. Let's address this. It's one less thing you have to worry about just in case you end up you know in the student clinic or in the urgent care. You don't have to worry about carrying this penicillin label around. Well, that is actually very useful advice for me because of my story too, because I, that was about, that was more than 10 years ago that that happened. So I should probably go get that evaluated myself. Um, because like I said, I, I don't want the label if it's not something that's in my reality anymore. And I think that's your comment makes so much sense because you know, when they're out in the world, yes, if they go to the clinic and they forget to look at the allergies, or even if they do, you want to make sure that they're not being over-labeled and over-called. Um, and then I also bring up things like pregnancy. And if that mm-hmm. is something that happened in a person's future um, and life, you know, there's always going to be some yeah. need for an antibiotic potentially. So we want to make sure that that's all clear. This was so helpful. I love this. I think it's just so great that we talk about all this stuff. And I, again, I hope a lot of my general pediatricians are listening too, because like I've said, I often am in visits and I will see the allergy section of a patient's Mm -hmm. chart, right? Maybe they may not have seen me before. And then I see that they have penicillin allergy or amoxicillin. And sometimes it'll have question mark. And I'm like, I'm asking them, I'm like, is this is this real? Is this real? Tell, me, <laughs> tell me what happened. And and I do, I say, look, if we really think this is a real thing, I do want to have you seen allergists. Like if this yeah. is something that you really feel like this was, and so I'm like, why? And then I ask, I'm like, why was it a question mark? Did anything ever come to it? They're like, well, it was a potential. So now we're avoiding. I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah. I don't know if this makes sense. You know, so it's part of antibiotic stewardship, you know, antibiotic stewardship, you know, is yeah. not over prescribing antibiotics, but part of it is also making sure that we're not over labeling allergies. Um, would you say that of the small percentage of people that have true drug allergies, are the penicillin class the most common of those for the small percentage? Yes, it is. Is there a reason why? 
that we know so we don't know we don't know why we just know mm-hmm. that penicillin and these beta lactam antibiotics which is sort of referring to the chemical structure but they're just yes. more frequently prescribed and used for a lot of mm. organisms that cause infections and so it's also the class of antibiotics that we have the most information on when you look in the literature um so yes that makes sense uh this was so great is there anything else you want to add any final message for all of our listeners Come see your local friendly allergist. <laughs> yes, if you have any concern, yeah. You know, this is what we do day in and day out. And sometimes it's just a 15 or 20 minute conversation that can clear up a lot of hesitancy and concerns. And this mm-hmm. is what we're here for. Like, use us, use us, use us. <laughs> and as the general pediatrician on this conversation, I will say, I hope you got this message loud and clear. But if you are being told that it is an allergy from your pediatrician and it doesn't go in line to what we were talking about, right? Maybe again, yes. it's three, four days, your child just has a very mm-hmm. mild rash on the body really ask these questions to your general pediatrician. Maybe if, you know, you want that extra allergist referral, do it. Because like we said, it's just important for the longevity of the life of your child and yourself that we're not over-labeling these things if it's not really needed. Um, So just really ask the questions to your pediatrician. Um, Get curious. It's okay. That's what we're here for. Um, And, you know, I like I said, I hope a lot of my general pediatricians are listening to this and a lot of uh, my families listening to this will take this information to their pediatrician. Because I, like I said earlier, we do overcall it. I see it often. Um, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure urgent cares and ERs are very notorious for this too. So I'm sure you are commonly telling mm-hmm. people this is an allergy. <laughs> this is an allergy. Let me explain. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for all the yeah, hard work you absolutely. do. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and for everyone listening, if you learned something from this episode, which I sure you did, or if you found it helpful, make sure to leave a review for the podcast call out Dr. Khan and her amazing information. And I can't wait to invite another guest next week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com newsletter, where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com newsletter.